smells Jesus-y. And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. We are the aroma of Christ. God has spoken in many ways. Welcome to Smells Jesus-y, a podcast from Three Crosses Church. Today we're continuing our series, Frontline Sundays. Dale McMillan will be speaking to us from Colossians 3, 15 to 24, whatever we do. Here's Dale. For the last few weeks, we have been working our way through uh, Frontline Sundays, thinking about how God uh, intersects with our front lines. Uh, as you saw earlier on the slide, um, we've considered all the difference in the world. Last week, Matt spoke uh, on wherever we are, and if you missed that talk, let me encourage you to catch it uh, when it goes up on the podcast. It was really good. Okay, let's get into it. Maureen is a cleaner. She's been a cleaner for as long as she can remember. Her aching joints are a constant reminder of the price she's paid for doing physical work for so long. Her days are filled with mundane, menial tasks. She scrubs a lot of toilets, mops a lot of floors, vacuums even more, and the dusting is endless. Occasionally, someone will pass her while she's going about her work. They pass without seeming to notice her, like she's not even there. She wonders what kind of important business they're on. And she turns her thoughts back to her cleaning. How does what we do in our everyday life relate to our life as Christians? Is God interested in what we do? Does it matter to him? Does it matter to anyone? When all is said and done, won't our labours be forgotten as quickly as we will when we return to the dust? If you're young, you might worry about finding a job that is significant, that contributes. If you're older, you might have doubts about whether all the years of effort you've poured into your career have been worth it. You know, have I misspent my life? Would I have been better doing something else entirely? If you're studying, you might wonder whether all the hours of learning are really going to equip you for useful work. Or, if you're a stay-at-home parent, you might feel that your contribution is so narrowly focused on just your family that you should be more widely engaged. God has designed us for work. So these are all legitimate existential questions. The Colossians were a young church who were also facing big questions. Paul was commissioned by Christ to be an apostle to the Gentiles, and we know that he took great interest in all the fledgling churches that were scattered throughout the Roman Empire. He felt an intense burden for them all. So when Paul heard from Epaphras that the Colossians were under pressure to turn away from trusting Jesus and that their conduct was often at odds with their new life in Christ, he wrote this letter to them. From his prison cell in Rome, Paul reminds the Colossians of Jesus' supreme worth and what Jesus had won for them through his death and resurrection. He reminds them that they're joined to Christ and part of the new creation. And as a result of being joined to Jesus, his lordship now touches every part of their life. In particular, their suffering, 
their temptation to compromise their faith, their moral character and home life are all in the process of being transformed and renewed by Jesus. And I think it's the everyday nature of Jesus' transforming work that really popped out for me in this passage. If you have a look at verses 18 to 22, Paul provides examples of how being in Jesus makes a difference. These examples cover everyone in the Colossian church that would have heard the letter read out. He addresses wives in verse 18, verse 19, husbands, verse 20, children, verse 21, fathers, verse 22, slaves. It's likely that many, if not most, of the Colossian church would have been slaves or household servants. Paul wants everyone to understand no matter their life circumstances, that all who have received new life in Christ are being transformed and renewed as part of the new creation, whatever they do, whatever you do. If you're a wife, a husband, a father, a child, a worker, whether paid or unpaid, the Spirit of Christ is at work in you. You belong to the new creation. Jesus is transforming every part of your life including the work you do. Uh, there's a phrase that Paul repeats a couple of times and the title of the talk might have helped you notice it. It's this, whatever you do. We should pay attention when we see something that's repeated. The first time uh, he says it, Paul's talking in the context of the church. The second time he says it, he's talking to the slaves among his audience. But the point he makes each time is the same. Look at verse 17. Paul says, And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Now down in verse 23, Paul says, Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart, as working for the Lord, not for human masters, since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. It is the Lord Christ you are serving. These two ideas are closely related. Verse 17, whatever we do, we're to do in the name of the Lord. Verse 23, whatever we do, we're to do as working for the Lord. Paul urges those of us who are in Christ to do all that we do in Jesus' name and for him. To do all that we do in Jesus' name and for him. Now, if someone does something in someone else's name, they are in effect representing that other person. Uh, in another place, Paul likens this idea to the role of an ambassador. An ambassador is appointed to represent a foreign sovereign, uh, providing a link between their host country, where they are, uh, and the country they represent, where they belong. They're given authority to speak on their sovereign's behalf and represent the message of a leader who's not present themselves. Uh, let's hop across briefly to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Uh, it's worth turning here because of the similarities with our passage this morning. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and I'll read from verse 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, a new creation has come. The old has gone. 
the new is here. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. And so this is what he does. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. Paul has been entrusted with the message of reconciliation, the message of Christ. He appeals to people to accept the message. He implores people on Christ's behalf, just as an ambassador would convey a message from their sovereign. So, back in Colossians 3, when Paul says in verse 17, Whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus. It's this image of an ambassador that he has in mind. In Christ, we are all ambassadors, representing him wherever we are, whatever we do. Uh, take another look in Colossians 3, just back at verse 11. Paul reminds the Colossians here that there's no Gentile or Jew, slave or free, only members of the body of Christ. And what we all do has meaning, weight, consequence of an ambassador because it's done in Jesus' name. You might think that what you do isn't of value when compared to what other people do. But Paul is insistent, whatever we do is valuable when done in Jesus' name. There's no difference, there is only the body of Christ. Now, this would have been astonishing for the Christian slaves in Colossae to hear. Paul was telling them that all the menial, insignificant, seemingly inconsequential tasks that they performed for their human masters day after day with regular monotony and that had no obvious bearing on anything beyond the walls of their master's household were in fact significant and consequential because they were done in the name of Jesus. Even in their low social position, they were representing the King of Kings. How they conducted themselves reflected on their heavenly master. So they could show their love for God and for others through their work. Cara Martin, uh, author of the workshop series of books that we've promoted here at Three Crosses, uh, talks about people's responses when she's asked them the question, when did you start thinking about how your faith relates to your work? Uh, Cara asked this question recently at a Nurses Christian Fellowship Australia uh, conference and one attendee replied, when I saw a painting. This painting. She'd been moved by this painting of a nurse at work with Jesus standing behind her with his hand on her shoulder. It captures the truth that Jesus is with us always, wherever we are and whatever we're doing. It helped this young nurse to realise that her work is important to God, that Jesus was present in her workplace and that she can worship God in her work. 
wherever she is, God is with her because he's promised to be with her. And that's part of what Matt touched on last week. And whatever she's doing, she can do it in Jesus' name. So let's look at verses 23 and 24 where Paul writes, Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters, since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. It's the Lord Christ you are serving. So starting at the end, the first thing we can say here is that when we go about our day-to-day work, which we might do for our employer, our client or our family, we're ultimately serving Jesus. It is the Lord Christ you are serving. There's no wiggle room there. Paul is still addressing slaves, but he tells them that they're actually serving Jesus. The work we do in our everyday life is ultimately done in the service of Jesus. Paul gives the reason for this claim at the start of the verse. We will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. This eternal inheritance is incomparably bigger to any reward we might receive now for the work we do. The context of eternity is the larger reality that gives perspective to everyday life now. If you glance back to the start of the chapter, Paul has already urged the Colossians in verse 1 to set your hearts on the things above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. For you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Keeping these eternal truths in mind will help us to live well now. The example Paul gives in verse 23 is that we will work with all our heart because in this bigger picture we're working for the Lord. The right and proper response to the knowledge that Jesus has endured God's wrath for our sin, that our life is now hidden with Christ and that an internal inheritance awaits us is that out of love, gratitude and obedience we seek to please him in all things. This is what Paul had in mind when he wrote the Uh, to the Colossians. Uh, Look at his prayer for them in chapter 1. I'll uh, read from verse 9. For this reason, since the day we heard about you, we've not stopped praying for you. We continually ask God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all the wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives, so that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and please him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might, so that you may have great endurance and patience, and giving joyful thanks to the Father, who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of his holy people in the kingdom of light. For he's rescued us from the dominion of darkness, and brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Paul goes on in verse 21, Once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behaviour. But now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight, without blemish and free from accusation. 
Our Lord is kind, gentle, loving, sympathetic to our weaknesses. Moreover, he's fought for us, bringing us peace with God, new life and the hope of glory. How awesome is that? This is our master. This is who we're ultimately serving. Wherever we are, whatever we do. Whether you're a missionary or a maths teacher, a Bible translator or bus driver, a pastor or process engineer, all of us, wherever we are, whatever we do, if we trust in Jesus, we've been rescued from the dominion of darkness and brought into the kingdom of the Son He loves. We share in the inheritance of His holy people in the kingdom of light. Paul's reminding the Colossians of this so that they see the eternal perspective. Throw off their old life and live for Christ, serving Him out of love and gratitude. So another way of thinking about this is that when we work with all our heart, out of love and gratitude, we're worshipping God. It's possible to worship God each day, whatever we're doing. It's secular work done with spiritual motives. What might this actually look like? Well, Paul gives us an example uh, in chapter 3, verse 22. Take a look with me. Slaves, obey your earthly masters in everything and do it not only when their eye is on you and to curry their favour, but with sincerity of heart and reverence for the Lord. The temptation to slack off when the boss isn't around and only put in effort when it will be noticed and get us brownie points, it's a relic of our old sinful self. It's just as true for us today as it was when Paul wrote this letter. It's why we need Jesus to make us new. When we set our heart and mind on the things above, we'll work for the Lord and do it with a sincere heart, out of reverence. Let me share you uh, some ways people think about worshipping God in their everyday. Patagonia is a multinational brand that specialises in uh, outdoor clothing and climbing gear. Uh, They're also big on environmental and social responsibility. Uh, They emerged from a small company that uh, made tools for climbers. And I know we haven't had a rock climbing illustration yet in this series, so here it is. Uh, Phil Graves is one of their senior directors. Uh, He says, You can be called to be a plumber or a fisherman or a venture capitalist. As long as you live your values and faith through what you do, that's what matters. We need more Christians to approach their work this way and not decouple their faith from their vocation. David Martinez owns a barbershop. David says, to listen to people, to be an ear, and to create community. I think that's the purpose. Hopefully, through the chair, and through loving and understanding, and listening to people, they would, to put it in Christian terms, see Christ through me. And they would see that, and want to experience it in their own lives. Uh, Makoto Fujimura is a leading contemporary artist, writer, and an exemplar of the slow art movement in the United States. One critic uh, has written, uh, the idea of forging a new kind of art about hope, healing, redemption, 
refuge while maintaining visual sophistication and intellectual integrity is a growing movement, one which finds Makoto Fujimura's work at the vanguard. I rather like this work from his Walking on Water series. And uh, Fujimura himself has said, my work is the kingdom. It's new creation. I am new creation. God is pruning and refining me to inspire. But whatever is left, my identity in Christ is the new creation. My job is to bring that out in my art. If you want to think about how this looks in your everyday and you're looking for a more down-to-earth example than fine art, Tim Chester has written a helpful little book. He's cheekily titled The Everyday Gospel, A Theology of, doing, uh, of Washing the Dishes. In it, he explores how seemingly inconsequential tasks can point us to Jesus. His exploration considers how even washing the dishes, among many other examples, can be done to the glory of God as part of a whole life lived in sacrifice to him. If you're curious, I have a couple of copies. Uh, Matt mentioned a couple of weeks ago the six M's that we considered last year. Modelling godly character, making good work, ministering, grace and love, moulding culture, being a mouthpiece for truth and justice and being messages of the gospel. With thoughtfulness and prayer, all of us can appropriate what we do in our everyday lives to be Christ's ambassadors, to represent him and serve him out of love and gratitude. The implication of us ultimately working for Christ in all that we do, whatever we do, is that we are Christ's hands and feet to bring his mercy and grace into our front lines. When we consider that it's Christ we're serving, we'll want to work with all our hearts in ways that are distinctly motivated by worship of him. So hopefully you've realised by now that when he says, whatever you do, and then goes on to say something, Paul's less concerned about what and more concerned about the how and the why we do it. Paul urges those of us who are in Christ to do all that we do in Jesus' name and for him. You might feel like your work is not of much value, that it doesn't make a difference to anything. Or you might think that you're worthwhile, uh, your work is worthwhile, that it does make a difference, but that it's unrelated to your relationship with God. Our passage this morning makes it clear that neither of these things are true. Because firstly, whatever we do, whether in word or deed, as Paul says in verse 17, we do in Jesus' name, as his ambassadors. Therefore, even the seemingly small things we do are deeds that represent the King of Kings. Secondly, whatever we do, we're working for the Lord. Work isn't something that sits apart from our relationship with God. There's no divide between the secular and spiritual. We engage in seemingly secular activities on our front lines with spiritual motives. All that we do is an act of worship a way of giving thanks to God. Maureen is a cleaner. She's been a cleaner for as long as she can remember. 
Her aching joints are a constant reminder of the price she's paid for doing physical work for so long. She, her days are filled with mundane, menial tasks. She scrubs a lot of toilets, mops a lot of floors, vacuums many more, and the dusting is endless. Occasionally, someone will pass her when she's going about her work without seeming to notice her, like she's not even there. She wonders what important business they're on. And she turns her thoughts back to her cleaning. She smiles, starts singing to herself. She's so happy to be serving her queen. Not everyone gets to serve in Buckingham Palace. Maureen's work might not seem as grand as what others do, but she's serving her sovereign, and that's enough. She knows that what she's been given to do reflects on her queen, and so she works with all her heart. We're like Maureen. Wherever we are, whatever we do, it's the Lord Christ we're serving. We are representing the King of Kings on our front lines, and that's worth doing with all our heart. Let's pray. God, thank you that you created us to be workers. Thank you that you've given each of us different things to do. And whether we think it's important or menial, whether publicly visible or behind the scenes, paid or unpaid, acknowledged by others or completely unnoticed, it matters to you because we're doing it for you. In your great mercy, you saved us from death and gave us new life forever in your Son. Help us to respond with gratitude and love by working with all our heart as an act of worship, remembering that we're ultimately working for you, that we represent you in our work and that it is from you that we'll receive an internal inheritance. <laughs>